Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show on CBS Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. My name is Danny Parkins. I do afternoons on 670 The Score in Chicago. You can follow me on Twitter at Danny Parkins or on Instagram, Danny Parkins one Though tonight I am coming to you from the great city of Kansas City, where I lived and worked for nearly six years. And I'm back in town for an old buddy of mine's uh, wedding. And uh, he got married yesterday, but I didn't want to fly back today because if I flew back in the morning before football, then I would have not been able to enjoy last night's wedding as much as I did because you can't enjoy the wedding to the fullest extent of the bourbon and then get up and get on a plane early the next day. At least I can't. And then I'm not going to fly during the day because, you know, football. And then I got the show tonight. So I'm flying back uh, tomorrow morning, and I just want to say it's really inconsiderate to have weddings during football season. It's really inconsiderate. It's a good friend. But if my wife was not also friends with uh, his now bride, I'm not sure I would have come. Might have just upped my gift. Saved the money on the hotel and the airfare and the rental car and just said... uh, Congratulations. But we had an absolute blast. But I mean, come on. He works in sports also. And when I confronted him about his wedding date being, you know, his game, his wedding is during Texas LSU, which, okay, listen, that's not great, but not the absolute end of the world. But just the opening of NFL, you got 75% of your guests leaving on Sunday. They're flying out. You know, they don't work in sports, so they're just missing games. It's, it's unacceptable. You know, he says to me, he goes, well, you know, you know how it is. The groom doesn't have any say in the wedding details. What the hell we don't? Now, I didn't have any say in most of my wedding details. But I had a say in when we got married. And the food. I got a vote on the food that I think was heard. And I got a vote on the when. I wasn't going to have all my friends just checking scores and checking their phones. So I said, no March Madness, no NFL. So we got married in early March. Spring weddings. Summer weddings. Fall weddings, man. I know people are like, oh, the weather is great. Yeah, the weather is great. If you want there to be, you know, autumn leaves in the background of your pictures for your wedding... Just don't invite me. But we had a blast. You know it's a good wedding when you wake up with a mysterious injury. My wrist is killing me. I don't know what I did last night. My wife says I didn't fall, but I don't know, man. My wrist is, whew. 
I don't know if I'm going to be ready to golf this uh, this upcoming week. I don't know. But regardless, PSA, if you want people to truly enjoy your wedding, don't get married during football season. It's selfish. It really is. Checking fantasy scores, checking bets, checking scores. I was in a church yesterday. I laid the 17 with Clemson. I'm like, first uh, letter to the Corinthians. I'm like, can I can I check the score? No, probably not. All right. Does that make me a good person? No, it doesn't. Does it make me honest? Yes, it does. But anyway, I digress. In about 30 minutes, we're going to talk to Andrew Filipponi, top radio and TV personality in Pittsburgh, about the egg that the Steelers laid tonight, 33-30 to the Patriots, and his thoughts on the Antonio Brown situation as someone who covered and followed Antonio Brown's entire career. He's got strong thoughts on it. I know he does. Here's the thing. The mistake that Oakland made was trading for Antonio Brown in the first place. And people coming out and saying they should have suspended Antonio Brown for conduct detrimental and they could have held him out for four games and then that would have made it tougher for him to end up with the Patriots and all that. That is Madden general managing. That's not practical. I get the argument that a lot of my media brethren are making on Twitter and on the TV shows this morning. That Oakland, by releasing him when he did, when they did, allows Antonio Brown to pick his team and get there as early as possible and have the minimum punishment and get paid the most money. That if they would have made him sacrifice a quarter of the season, it would have been tougher to catch on with another team and learn a system and get paid big money, and they should have they should have stood up for what's right. And it's a terrible message. Like I saw my guy Andrew Siciliano saying, it's a terrible message to the kids. Well, plenty of other people are giving way worse messages to the kids. Like, let's be honest. Tyreek Hill got a $54 million contract. The fact that that guy gets rewarded sends a pretty bad message to kids. The NFL has sent way worse messages to kids than Antonio Brown before. So I'm not too concerned about the kids. Oh, somebody please think of the children. I'm not too concerned. But the mistake that they made was trading for him in the first place. If you would have held on to him for four more for four weeks to have a grudge, you would have been cutting off your nose to spite your face. Because yeah, you would have taken you would have hurt Antonio Brown but you would have submarined your entire season. And listen, I don't think the Raiders are going to be good anyway. I think they got four wins written all over them. They got one of the youngest, if not the youngest teams in the league. They just lost their number one wide receiver. They got a coach who I believe the game has passed him by after all of his years in the television booth. Like They hired a television personality to be the coach who then hired a television personality to be his GM. It's probably not going to work. But they made for a crappy TV show with hard knocks. Think about, by the way, how terrible Hard Knocks was. They gave us the edges of Antonio Brown, and clearly they were pissed and furious about how the whole thing was going, and we got basically none of it. But what's interesting is with Antonio Brown now, if you would have held on to him for four games, he already secretly recorded a conversation with John Gruden and set it to a commercial and put it up on YouTube like it was a Nike video. He already called Mike Mayock a cracker. 
he already threatened to punch the general manager in the face. He already went back after getting all the team captains up there and trying to support him and tearful apologies and all that nonsense. What do you think was going to happen if he was a Raider for 28 more days? Even if they said, stay away from the facility. He would have been putting out music videos by the time we got to week four. He would have been on every television show. It, It would have been complete nonsense. Not that it wasn't already complete nonsense, but the idea that the Raiders could have just, oh, we're going to just make it, we're going to spite Antonio Brown. That's crazy talk. Because every coach and GM thinks they can win in the NFL. Because they're delusional. But there's parody and there's worst of first stories all the time. So the Raiders just said, we got to cut bait. And if he ends up on the Patriots and he ends up getting paid and he ends up, quote unquote, winning, then so be it. But this idea, like, People are making out Antonio Brown into being some sort of like idiot savant and they orchestrated the entire thing and pulling all these strings. Did this seem like a guy who had a plan? Did any of this seem rational? Now, at the end, once they had voided his guarantees, was he doing something to try to get out intentionally? Absolutely. Do I believe that he wanted to go to New England when he was trying to get out from Oakland? Absolutely. But I believe that Antonio Brown wanted to be a Raider. He wanted out of Pittsburgh because he wanted more guaranteed money, and the Raiders traded for him, and the Raiders gave him more guaranteed money. And now he's getting non-guaranteed money, and he lost about $15 million, best-case scenario in the transaction. So let's not act like Antonio Brown's some great winner in all of this or some mastermind here pulling strings and has the NFL eating out of the palm of his hands. Stop. His contract isn't guaranteed and he lost $15 million of his new money. Best case scenario. So Antonio Brown is not some sort of criminal mastermind. He's not a criminal at all, but you know what I mean? That phrase, he's not some sort of mastermind. And the crazy thing is I really liked Antonio Brown. This is nonsense, but he is a breathtaking talent. I love watching him play. With Brady, it'll probably be unstoppable and unfair. But, man, talk about taking away your goodwill and your likability in very short order. Now, the idea that he got social media influencers involved to help him and he orchestrated these videos and all of that, you know, that's 2019. You don't have to like it, but that's the millennial athlete for good and bad. And I am a millennial and I defend millennials. We are the most informed generation because we take in an incredible amount of information in very short order. But what we do with that information or the quality of the information that we take in, that varies person to person. I was covering the Bears game in Chicago on Thursday. How the games happen is they, the game ends. There's like a 10-minute cooling down period. Coach addresses the team. Guys can shower, go get trained, whatever. But the media gets in there pretty quick. Like most of the guys are still in pads. Haven't even got off the pads and into the showers yet. 
I'd say 50% of the locker room is on their smartphones in their pads. So before they've cut off the tape off their fingers, removed the shoulder pads, showered, they are, best case scenario, checking the texts from their loved ones, worst case scenario, reading their mentions on Instagram and Twitter. You crave feedback. That's just my generation. It's just the way of the world. So Antonio Brown, he, in a move to make himself the star of his own reality TV show, said Hard Knocks was boring, but the best part of it was me, and that TV show was ending, so I'm going to keep the party going. And how do I keep the party going? I hire social media influencers, and I go crazy. And if they're not going to guarantee my contract in Oakland, and I'm not going to play on a guaranteed deal, if you were a wide receiver and your money wasn't guaranteed, would you want Derek Carr throwing you the ball for a four-win team being coached by John Gruden, the TV star? Knock on wood if you're with me. Or would you rather have Tom Brady throwing you the ball for a 13-win team with Bill Belichick coaching you? So he orchestrated his way out. Is it likable? No. Would you want your kids to act like it? No. Is it criminal? No. Unless he secretly recorded John Gruden. And then it might be criminal. But he's not some sort of mastermind here. This is a guy who's got some serious issues some serious ego issues, and from a football standpoint, he won. But from a money standpoint, a likability standpoint, a credibility standpoint, he's suffered irreparable damage. But I will admit, I'll be watching. By the way, next week, Dolphins Patriots in Miami. Line is 14 and a half right now for the Patriots. That line's probably going to go to 17 by the time we're done here. They probably don't need Antonio Brown for that game. That is going to be an absolute bloodbath. 855-212-4227 is the number. Andrew Filipponi will weigh in on Antonio Brown in 20 minutes. More of your calls coming up. It's the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Danny Parkin Show. We have some breaking, breaking news in the world of baseball. And I know most of you out there are being like, who cares? It's an NFL Sunday. I agree with you. But this is a legitimate bombshell. The Red Sox, according to multiple reports, have fired Dave Dombrowski, their general manager. He won the World Series last year. That is amazing. So they run off Theo Epstein and Dave Dombrowski. They are nine games above 500 with a run differential of plus 90. Albeit nine games behind the Rays and 17 and a half games out of first. But that is wild, man. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're eight games out of the second wild card. It's been a disappointing season for a team that spends a ton of money. Sure. 
but I can't emphasize this point enough. They won the World Series last year. They're not bad. They're just not good enough and as good as they're supposed to be. That is that is a life-comes-at-you-fast moment. Whew. I'd love to hear that explanation. I'm sure we'll get more details as we go. They're elevating assistant general manager Eddie Romero to the head of baseball operations, according to my dude Jeff Passan over at ESPN. Assistant GM Eddie Romero is going to be part of a group of executives taking over baseball operations with the Red Sox, including Brian O'Heller, O'Halloran, what a great Boston name, and Zach Scott. They are the three top decision makers with the Red Sox right now and are going to work together. So they've got a triumvirate at the top of their organizational structure. Okay. Good luck with all that. Fire the dude one year after he won a World Series. 855-212-4227. That's the last baseball we'll talk on tonight's show. In Jacksonville, Ron is on the Danny Parkin Show. What's up, Ron? Thanks for calling. What's your top takeaway from week one? Oh, uh, I'll I tell you what my top takeaway is, is the, the fact that the Jaguars were actually in that game uh, all the way up until Leonard Fournette fumbled that football at the uh, start of the second half. But um, the fact of the matter is, I mean, Nick Foles being hurt, yeah, but the offense didn't lose that game. If I would have told you the Jaguars were going to score 26 offensive points in that game before they played, you would have been thinking they either won the game or it was really close. The fact that Jaguars' defense did not show up. And this is honestly the second season in a row that at that a defense – that in 2017, if the Jaguars, you know, half a quarter away from getting to the Super Bowl, if they would have got there and won that thing, that would have been a, a defense that went down as one on par as the 95 Bears, the 2000 Ravens. But they have not shown up. And this is, we're going to start out the second year giving up 40 points. 40 points. I mean, and, and, and big plays. Sammy Watkins, they didn't even have, I mean, you know, Jalen Ramsey crippled Tariq Hill and, and, and Sammy Watkins. I mean, this, this man, I mean, you had a guy on earlier talking about Sammy Watkins could go be a Hall of Famer. I mean, come on. That's how bad the, the Jaguars defense looked today. They made Sammy Watkins look like a potential Hall of Famer. I mean... Yeah, listen, I mean, the the Jaguars' defense is really talented, but they talk a lot of smack, and they did not back it up in any way. I mean, early in the game, Tyreek Hill caught a slant against Jalen Ramsey for an eight- or a nine-yard gain. Ramsey tackled him, and Ramsey was talking afterwards. It's like, okay, cool. You you stopped him to nine yards in a completion. And Calais Campbell wasn't playing, and he's a, a linchpin on that defense, but they should be way better than that. But honestly, I think they will be. I think that they got humbled a little bit today, and they'll get Campbell back, and that's more about the Chiefs' offense than it was the Jaguars' defense. The Jaguars' defense wasn't good, but the Chiefs' offense is historic. And you said the 95 Bears. You meant the 85 Bears. I'm sorry. Yeah, the 85, of course. I'm sorry. You're good. I I grew up watching Jimmy Mack and and, and everybody. Yeah, you're good. I know what you meant. I know what you meant. But, but no, uh, I mean, if I would have told you that after the the first game of the season that the best 
professional quarterback in the state of Florida was Gardner Minishaw II, you would have called me a crazy person. But, hey, you have a good one. And, uh, and I grew up loving the Bears. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Jags now, but, uh, but I love the Bears. Oh, hey, man, listen, I, I might talk about the Bears a little bit in the last hour of the show. It was uh, – I appreciate the call. That was – you talk about laying an egg. That's what the Bears did with the nation watching on Thursday night. I got more expansive thoughts on it, obviously, that we can get into later. But that was – of all the disappointments of week one, that still is the biggest disappointment. You can talk about, you know, you talk about the Jaguars defense as a week one disappointment. You could talk about Pittsburgh on Sunday night football scoring three points when they were talking all this junk about being better. You can talk about the Falcons scoring 12 meaningless fourth quarter points in a dome on the road when they're finally back healthy. Like, a lot of teams have a lot of reasons to be really disappointed today. A lot of fan bases, obviously, you wait all these year, all these months for opening day in the NFL. Biggest disappointment of week one is the Bears. I don't think it's particularly close. But by the way, uh, on my Twitter page, at Danny Parkins, I, like I said earlier, I used to work in Kansas City, which is where I'm now doing this show just for this week because I'm in town for a wedding. So I know that my followers will skew this a little positively. So I'd appreciate if you from outside of Kansas City would go vote in this Twitter poll. I am fascinated by what we're watching with Pat Mahomes. Peyton Manning has the record for five NFL MVPs. Three guys have won the MVP three times. No one's ever won it four. Tom Brady, Brett Favre, and Jim Brown are three-time MVPs in the NFL. Peyton did it five. Mahomes already has one. The poll question is, how many more MVPs is Pat Mahomes going to win? No more, two total, three total, or four-plus MVPs. Right now, 49% of the vote, I put up the poll question half an hour ago. We're at nearly 1,000 votes. Nearly 50% of the people think he's going to win three total MVPs. And I said earlier, if I set the over-under at two and a half, I would take the over. And at three and a half, I probably wouldn't bet it. Because I think he's that special and he's in that good of a situation. And it's not about his skill position players. Because skill position players change. We see, you know, Peyton had Marvin Harrison for a long time. But for the most part, Skill positions are going to change. They're going to get hurt. They're going to lose a step. They're going to sign a free agent deal somewhere else. They're going to get old. Quarterbacking, you can play it into your 40s. We now see that. So if Mahomes is going to win four-plus MVPs, he's going to do it with different number one receivers than Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. But for right now, he is set up to be good for a long, long time because of his talent and his coach and the team he's got around him right now for the duration of his rookie contract. I'd probably vote with the majority right now that he gets three total. Favre and Brady, it's pretty good company for when we're talking quarterbacks. But it is a uh, it is a very, very, very Honestly, what it is is, and I apologize for losing my train of thought there for a second, what it is is you think about hyperbole and you think about hot takes when you're sitting on my side of the microphone and you try to guard against it and then you realize that anything is possible for this kid. 
He could play another 20 years, and he already has one of the three greatest statistical seasons ever. That is a scary thought in terms of how good he can be. Andrew Filipponi on the disaster in Pittsburgh and his take on Antonio Brown. You will not want to miss this. This is the Danny Parkin Show. It is the Danny Parkin Show on CBS Sports Radio, where our toll-free line is 855-212-4227. It's brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. We've had a blast talking week one of the NFL season. We'll get back to your calls in a little bit, but it's been way too long since my man Andrew Filipponi and I have shared a mic, and he kills it in Pittsburgh. He does afternoons on 92.3, the fan, and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers got killed tonight, 33-3 uh, by the Patriots, and we also will talk Antonio Brown. I know he's got a lot of thoughts on that. You should follow him on Twitter at the Pony Express. That's P-O-N-I. Pony, what's good, brother? How you doing, man? Are there still tolls on phone calls? Because I do that read all the time, and I wonder if I should just eliminate that part of it. But then again, our boss tells us to read it, so I just do it. Yeah, do we have the power to eliminate <laughs> the, to- the word toll? I don't, I don't know. Told? Who are the people that hear that and say, wait, there's no toll? I'm going to call Danny. <laughs> yeah. I'm in. The, yeah, exactly. That the, the the ten cents a minute on the old toll, like the rotary phone back in the day, that was, was what was 50, holding them 50, back. I was teetering, but when I heard toll free, <laughs> I decided to call. I want someone to call me with that. Someone. I just had to get these Jaguar defense takes off, but it's just too damn expensive. <laughs> um, what the hell happened to the Steelers tonight? I wasn't able to watch it as closely as I would have liked because you know national radio show and all. So what happened? A vintage Steelers performance in New England. They always play like crap there. And tonight was no different, and I think there was a psychological uh, aspect or component to it. Uh, they, they play there, Danny. And, like, any adversity that occurs in the game, any, any early trauma that puts them behind in Foxborough and I think because the two most prominent people now associated with the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin, are just so used to losing there that uh, they got down early. And, you know, honestly, in the second half, I didn't really see a lot of kickback or a lot of fight to make it a game. So they took their beating, as they always do in New England, and they're doing their best job right now to, you know, give you the it's one out of 16 games, it's no big deal thing. Is that a bigger indictment of Tomlin or Roethlisberger? Well, for me, it's Ben because I expect a lot more out of Ben. I think, I think Mike Tomlin's a very overrated coach. I think the reason why he has the record that he has is a lot of it is being in the right place at the, raw, the right time with the right organization. Um, you know, he inherited, you know, a great defense when you could win defense with championships. And then he watched a quarterback come into his zone as a Hall of Famer. So, you know, I, I think Tomlin, is, uh, we've seen here, uh, is not a great coach. For me, he's not the best coach even in his own division. That's John Harbaugh. But with Roethlisberger, he's going to be in Canton five years after he retires. And I don't care that New England has more on defense this year than, say, last year or years past. Uh, to go there and only score three points without Antonio Brown uh, is an embarrassment. And I think Ben, for whatever reason, in New England, he cow-cows to Brady. I think there's a little bit of an intimidation effect. Even games at home where they've beaten Brady, 
Ben hasn't been lights out. They've been like they've been lower scoring games like last year, seventeen to ten at Heinz Field. So I think if you're going to ask me who I'm going to blame more, it's Ben just because my expectations for him in these games are much greater. Andrew Filipponi afternoons, and you hear him all the time here on CBS Sports Radio. He does afternoons in Pittsburgh on ninety two three The Fan. I know the three points ultimately don't matter, and it obviously had no effect on the outcome of the game. But what the hell is Mike Tomlin doing, or what justification is there for kicking a field goal from the one yard line down twenty to zero? Uh, the only justification is for, so you can say, you know, thirty three to three, and the uh, ignominious uh, shutout. You know, the embarrassment that comes with scoring no no points is erased with a. But it happened in the second quarter. Points. Yeah, it's it, 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 it's complete vanity. It it, it it it's totally cosmetic. It's it's showing no understanding of basic math or statistical analysis, knowing when and what to do in those situations. Um, which is more of the same. They ran a toss to James Conner on a third and inches. They didn't go for it on a fourth and one earlier in the game when they were already down uh, two scores. It, it it was a brutal night. By Tomlin, but like I said, I've come to expect it out of him, not only in New England, but to me, there are a lot of places where he leaves you wanting more as a coach. I thought giving him a contract extension off of probably his worst year as a head coach uh, was a mistake, but that's what the Steelers do. They treat these coaches like it's the most job security in all of professional sports to be the head coach of this franchise. You were really bullish on them. You had them winning 11 games. I still do. I still do. I mean, you know, this loss in some ways, you know, makes me feel like the gap between the Patriots and the other contenders in the AFC, Chiefs included, uh, is as big as maybe it's, it's not ever been, but it feels like with the luck retirement and now with the way the Steelers have played there, I mean, they're not going to finish with a better record than the Patriots. So that means – you know, best case scenario, somebody else knocks them off in the playoffs or you go there and things are different, which they won't be. Um, I'm bullish. I was bullish on, bullish on the Steelers in this way, Danny. Uh, they're going to win the AFC North. And, yeah, like the Baltimore thing, I guess, is eye-popping in the way Lamar Jackson played. But if Baltimore played in New England tonight and the Steelers went to Miami, the records would be – the Steelers would be 1-0 and Baltimore would be 0-1. So it depends how much you put in margin of victory or margin of defeat. So I still think they'll win 10 games, bare minimum, probably more like 11, and win the division. But the Steelers won't beat the Patriots when it counts. Pony, what offends your sensibilities most about the Antonio Brown story? Um, well, wow, that's a great question because there's so much to it. Um. I'm, I guess, offended by the lack of response from the people who are in charge, mainly Roger Goodell. You know, it to me, it's pretty clear that this was, you know, at the very least, there was tampering involved. I just don't, I just don't believe that at four o'clock, as soon as Antonio Brown was able to sign that the details of a contract with incentives and bonuses were already determined. Like, it, it, it took a two-minute phone call to figure that out. No. Obviously, there was tampering. Uh, and I think, there, I think it was premeditated. 
And I think that that's a dangerous precedent. I mean, I've seen it in Pittsburgh, and I think this is where Antonio Brown and Drew Rosenhaus hatched the idea. It happened here with LeGarrette Blunt. He got himself cut. He abandoned the Steelers. He left the game in the middle of the game to get cut and then signed with the Patriots and won two Super Bowls. I watched James Harrison, who's really good friends with Antonio Brown, do the same thing, totally out of character. Two years ago, we started blowing off meetings, and when he found out he wasn't active for a game, he left the stadium, and then you know he's snoring in meetings and just making a fool of himself, and that's you know, say what you will about James Harrison, the person, but that wasn't him, the professional, and it was all to get himself to New England. So I think Antonio Brown did the same thing. I think he hatched this plan. I think the way he went about it is um, offensive, and I just think that the NFL should have at least given us the appearance that they were upset or troubled by the process to get to New England. I think that he wanted to go to New England and orchestrated it to go to New England within the last 72 hours, maybe the last four or five days when it came became apparent that they were going to void the guarantees of his contract in Oakland. But he wanted out of Pittsburgh to get guaranteed money. He got $30 million in guarantees from the Raiders, and now this contract is not guaranteed, and it tops out at $15 million from the Patriots with nine up front. So I don't believe that this was some sort of long con from a few months ago, like back when the helmet thing was going on and Hard Knocks was going on. Do you think it goes that far back? I think it could. I think that, obviously, there was a con here to get out of Pittsburgh. Wouldn't you agree? Those weren't the actions of a madman. I mean, if, he, if he's... Con- oh, I think he absolutely it. wanted out of Pittsburgh, and I think he absolutely wanted guaranteed okay, money. So, okay, so, so, let's, so let, then let's, let's talk about this. So if there was a con in December, January, February, March to get out of Pittsburgh that was social media-driven, agent-driven... Why would, like, so he had, what, like a two-month honeymoon period with Oakland? I don't know about that. I think Antonio Brown might have bet on himself in this way. I'll take $15 million now from the Patriots. I'll kill it there, and I'll get another contract from a team that I like more than the Raiders after I display good behavior and huge production. In New England. For so you think he wanted to go to New England the whole time? The Patriots wouldn't trade him there. He goes to Steelers Oakland. Trade him there. Yes. The, right. That's what I'm saying. The Steelers wouldn't trade him to New England, so they trade him to Oakland, and then he says, "All right, I don't care if I screw the Raiders or screw this money." Yes, and here's why I say that, Danny, because I think the Patriots, if they, if they didn't, if they weren't in on it from the very beginning. I think they would have had interest in Antonio Brown just because Belichick will continually take chances on, you know, risky at-risk players. But I don't think he gives them $15 million. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, that, that, that is a really shady thing about this. Then, man, he's, all, then he's not crazy. He's actually really smart. He just doesn't care about his reputation at right. all because he got exactly what he wanted. Well, he's business smart. Like, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking about his IQ. I'm not. I'm not talking about his ability to, you know, make make jokes about the toll-free Geico hotline. I'm I'm, t- I'm talking about his ability to end up with a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame coach. Right. And I think he's smart enough where he has the right agent to help him pull those strings. So, it's just another thing then where you know I listen. I admit to being a bit of a hater. Like I, I 
years ago when they were going to for 19 and 0, I was rooting for the Patriots for greatness. I know it was against your Giants, but now there've been so many things with the Patriots, all their different gates and paying uh Brady less money than they need to with the salary cap. I feel like there should be an investigation into them. How did they get this done? Because it seems like they're playing by a different set of rules than everybody else. Uh, I think that part of the reason why Brady takes less is because his team has a has a business relationship with his brand. Yeah, I like, think that's part of it. But I I I I think there's more to all of this. Like they just they just always seem to operate in the gray of the letter of the law within the NFL. And there's just too many things where you add it up and you and you just wonder what are what's their ulterior motive? Because I got to be honest with you, it sickens me that he ends up on the Patriots. Same I, here. I think I it's te- I think it's terrible for the league. So do I. And I think like the they're going to go 14 and two or 13 and three again, and probably end up in the Super Bowl. And I know in Pittsburgh that's going to make me and everybody else here sick. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I get it. I I really do. So how how upset are people going to be tomorrow? Scale of one to ten. Uh, I would say nine. Okay. Maybe ten. Yeah, Pony, have a good bad. show, buddy. Thanks for coming on. See you, man. That's Andrew Filipponi. Afternoons on 92.3 The Fan in Pittsburgh. We're going to do this every Sunday night. First look ahead to week two. We're looking ahead to week two before anyone else. Storylines and investment opportunities coming up. Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.